0: Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here with G, the editor of thewrongfootball.com and we're here to give you our thoughts on all things NFL this week. Hello! So let's have a look at the news as we uh, always tend to start with. The big news this week is the San Diego Chargers filing for relocation and they confirmed this week they were going to uh, look to move to Los Angeles. Uh, There's been... Uh, quite wide talk for a little while now that uh, there's going to be about three teams looking to uh, potentially move to LA. Uh, obviously, the the Raiders and the Rams being the other two, but uh, San Diego Chargers have officially pointed out that they are going to look to uh, move to uh, LA, and the city authorities uh, have already kind of well, they've already kind of fallen out with with the Chargers um, over the years. So I think uh, it kind of makes sense for them. Um, what, do you, what do you think of, the, uh, of a potential move?
1: They're one of three teams. You've got the Rams, you've got the Raiders, you've got the Chargers all looking at this. Now, the thing about San Diego is that it's really nice there and they don't seem to go to football games. Um, if you saw them with the Steelers a few weeks ago, there were more terrible towels there and Steeler fans, almost it seemed, than there were Chargers fans. Now, the Pittsburgh fans are known to travel well, but... It was kind of ridiculous, and it seemed last week that there were an awful lot of Raiders fans again, and I guess people are too busy enjoying the warm weather and being down the beach. And if relations break down between the franchise and the city in terms of the American financing system is very weird, so they seem to hold their cities to ransom for huge stadiums, which... You know, I'm not sure, given that these are billion dollars of turnover in the league and franchises are worth a huge amount of money, how they get away with justifying, you know, no, no, you must build these stadiums for us so we can sit here and make more money because it's good for the economy, sort of. I'm going to give a plug for something. Uh, John Oliver on his Last Week Tonight did a brilliant section on stadium financing, which basically covers all the nuances of this much better than I'm going to do in a couple of minutes in our podcast. But it just. (laughs) It looks like they're, they're, all three teams are really pushing ahead, but the Chargers fans, are there's a real committed group who are trying to make them stay, but it looks like we're going to end up with a team with LA, it's just a question of which ones.
0: It kind of makes sense for the Chargers to jump first, they've got a quarter of their uh, season get holders are, are from LA, uh, so they obviously want to keep hold of that market, they don't want them to go into, a, to go into another team, um, don't know how, how fickle they think the uh, people over there are, but... Uh, I suppose it's uh, it, it kind of makes sense for them to make that jump, and if they if they're going to make it before it before everybody else, then it it, it just kind of puts them up on the uh, on the competition. I suppose
1: uh, the big thing also is that the NFL it's still kind of crazy that they haven't been able to could Have a franchise in the largest media market in America, yeah. and you know, yeah. not had one for years and years and years. We knew that they were going to do something about this at some point, and now we've sort of got this sort of very undignified scrabble between teams to get there.
0: Yeah, well, there's there, there are a lot of people who are in America who are against the uh, the idea of having a London um, franchise, or say not before LA. So this is possibly the uh, the gateway to to perhaps them starting to uh, to maybe think about moving them over here sooner rather than later. Perhaps
1: I I still think that that's putting the cart before the horse and I still don't think I'm entirely convinced by the idea of putting a franchise in London I just think the NFL wants to you know have a team there there are owners that clearly want to go there and unless Khan decides that he actually wants to move the Jaguars over to London I'm just not sure that that makes sense with all the bits that we've discussed before about just the plain logistics of it and trying to play a full 16 game season eight home in London just doesn't no, seem it. to make sense. It's just
0: interesting little fact. The last franchise to relocate uh, was the Houston Oilers back in 1998? Obviously moving to uh, to Tennessee and then changing their name to the Titans in 99. So it's a good few years since anyone's uh, anyone's moved. Um, certainly hasn't been since since I've really been been, been following the sport.
1: It's um, I've seen a couple of these and it still feels weird. Just it was the Browns mm. moving to Baltimore and then getting the Browns back, sort of like the zombie Browns. And you only have to look at how much the, the Browns meant to Cleveland to see and how much how hated actually the owner is. Um, who who actually moved them? That that it, yeah. It's I feel sorry for the guys in San Diego. But if you're not filling the stadiums, I feel really sorry for the for for the fans who are there every week because they don't want to go. No, of course not.
0: Well, uh, another piece of uh, news this week is the uh, the story with Ryan Mallett, uh, the Texans quarterback. Obviously, it caught my eye at the weekend because the Dolphins were playing the the uh, Texans, and it was uh, it was mentioned quite a few times. But Ryan Mallett, um, he's now been cut from the uh, from the the Texans uh, over over. Uh, the last day or so, uh, he missed his team flight to Miami uh, on Saturday. He had to fly commercial uh, himself over to the uh, to the game in Miami. No reason given at all for that. Just obviously uh, didn't uh, didn't make the flight for whatever reason. He's got a bit of a track record. Potentially, you would maybe say for having a bit of a strop. I, I personally think when you if you ever look at the uh, the the hard knocks series from from over the summer, uh, over preseason, I think when he turned up late to train in the day after the decision was made to to give Hoyer the the starting um, position. He, uh, he he slept in due to his alarm shutting itself off. Apparently, to me, a little bit stinks of of just being a bit, dare I say, Mardy. I don't know. I feel...
1: Petulant might be the word. You're yeah, that's for. that's probably
0: that's probably it. Um, and now, obviously, it, uh, it looks like he's, it's really bitten him in the arse and he's, he's been cut from the from uh, Texans.
1: Yeah, this is something I'm going to touch on in the blog just because I'm talking about, yet again, franchise function and management because I'm apparently a nerd of management structure, weirdly, as well as sports. But the whole thing that makes Mallet an interesting prospect for the NFL is his arm talent that's the one thing that makes you go wow because he can really really throw a ball but everything else says stay away yeah. he has demonstrated no leadership talent at all it was interesting but it was just after he'd lost the starter's job that he missed that practice who sleeps in so long that they miss an entire nfl practice yeah. and you hear a lot of ex-pros talking about this and giving him a real hard time for it
0: it's petulance and- isn't it
1: yeah, and then the news story about this missing of the flight, the Houston Chronicle's been talking about the fact that basically he's blamed traffic and there was no traffic. This was a private chartered flight, so it's not like, you know, he he was a little bit late and and they closed the gates on him flew off. You know, they were all waiting for him. It's mm. pretty incredible. It'll be interesting to see if he picks up anywhere else. But there are so many red flags and... I suspect he might just because there seem to be an awful lot of teams who are prepared to give players of immense physical talent a chance even when there's no particular evidence that they can put it together on the field and we had a few games from him and with all the leadership stuff that is attached to being a quarterback in the NFL particularly a franchise starting one I wouldn't and I don't think any good franchises will, no. unless it's for a backup role and a chance they might be able to put him in a strong locker room situation with an established coach and see if they can mould him. But I'd be very hesitant unless he—I just wouldn't. I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I personally, I don't think I'd go anywhere near him. I don't think, I don't think many teams will. It may, like you say, he might do a, a backup job, but I don't think he's going to get anywhere near a, near a starting position anytime soon certainly not
1: I mean almost the most interesting thing for me is being the talk about the fact that he wasn't let go immediately and then there was a news story that there was some conflict between the GM and O'Brien the coach about yeah Brian wanted to drop him apparently before the game he just said that's it I want to cut him and was told to hold off and you can see that conversation happening that seems fine but the fact that it leaked to the press is a little bit worrying and this is the other thing i'm folding into the blog about you know function between owner gm coach and that dynamic and the best teams you don't hear about this stuff because it's run properly and everybody's working in step Mm -hmm. and houston are just a mess this season they're so bad even even our glorious lord sir jj of Watts can't save them and it's just (laughs) Yeah, I just think it's very telling that their season's going down the toilet and this stuff is all coming out.
0: More on that a little later.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't running well beforehand. No, that's it.
0: One thing I did notice this week, another uh, just one just to touch on quickly, uh, is Indianapolis. Things are not going particularly well there. They lost 21 twenty one twenty seven at the Saints in New Orleans on Sunday, after the Saints went ahead for kind of twenty one nothing. Um so they really were getting uh getting it handed to them. They obviously did not too badly to get themselves back in it, but after the game, Jim Ursa and the general manager uh, Ryan Grigson bit of a heated conversation, apparently, um, according to the Indianapolis Star. Um, they've slipped to three and four. What do, you, what, do you, what do you make of it?
1: I am not necessarily that surprised. We both picked the Saints this week. I'm not we sure did. if you were expecting a close cover or whether you thought the Saints would win. I have not been that impressed with a lot of the management of the Colts, because I really am sounding like a nerd at this week, aren't I? (laughs) But the problem for me with it is that Jim Ertse believes that he has a franchise quarterback. I believe he has a franchise quarterback. However, Ryan Grigson won Executive of the Year, basically, for drafting Andrew Luck. This is not exactly a difficult decision. If you look at the rest of his decisions, and I've been writing about this a chunk throughout the year, he hasn't... Surrounded Andrew Luck with the players to win a championship in one of the best windows of opportunity for them, which is okay, you've got a young quarterback, he's going to make mistakes. But the great thing is you have that controlled salary period where you can surround him with talent. That's like the first Mm. window you get when you draft a good quarterback young. Look at what Seahawks did. They're now having to go through a rebuilding phase where they reconfigured a roster because they've now got to handle the salary crap around the fact that they're now paying him what a franchise quarterback is worth. They haven't hit that point with luck yet. And... They haven't surrounded him with a bunch of talent. And the really bizarre thing they did last season was that they signed Andre Johnson. They signed Frank Gore. And then they go into the draft and they pick another receiver. The last thing they needed was another receiver. I've, I've made this point before and I'm going to say it again. They needed to draft big men. The big problem they've got there is their defence keeps getting run over. And their offensive line is a mess. And they haven't fixed that. And so we're in a situation where Grigson hasn't done a good job. We've had the whole mess with the fake punt. So, you know, we have fairly obvious demonstrations that Pagano isn't doing a great job. So, the main pillars of the franchise, i.e., the GM, the coach, and the owner, are not on the same page. They have the Panthers and then they have the Broncos, is the next two games in there as a bye. I don't necessarily see him winning either game, and I'm not sure if he doesn't get a w- at least a win, possibly both. Do you not think he might be on the hot seat, given the NFL's new trend for sacking coaches after yeah. a bye, or before a bye when they've got time to change things up? Yeah. It's looking interesting.
0: I think it could happen, if I'm perfectly honest. I certainly could see it happening. Anything uh, else before we move on to the uh, looking at the, the games from uh, Week 7, G? Anything else from uh, from you? Any news uh, you want to share with us?
1: Very beautifully done, sir, because I'll let you know, ladies and gentlemen, that Dan is a little bit nervous because on our rundown here, it <laughs> says,
0: G's Mystery News. I have no idea what this is coming.
1: So, Dan is having a better weekend this weekend. In fact, he's had a better couple of weeks since Dan Campbell's become head coach of the Dolphins. But... It got a little bit out of hand this weekend when he sent me a text and said, <laughs> "You know how you feel about Sir JJ of what? I'm beginning to think about Jarvis Landry, JJ who, and I'm worried that you've jinxed the Dolphins. Yeah, and I'm being serious here because
0: I'd, I'd hate to think that. Here's but I think the problem you might be right. with that
1: that text message because. J.J. Watt has to battle some of the toughest men in the NFL. it's frequently double-teamed, sometimes even triple-teamed. And whilst Jarvis Landry is amazing, and his ability to stop and then just watch a defender go by and carry on is good, you're basically declaring your love for a man on your own team. And I'm worried you've angered the football gods. You know, I'm worried that you... I think that maybe to make amends, you might have to sing the Dolphins song this weekend to ensure, because you're going into... New England to play the Patriots (laughs) this week, think you might have to (laughs) offer up tribute to the football gods with a singing of your own fight song at some point on the podcast to make sure that you at least don't get humiliated in New England.
0: Do you think that's what's needed?
1: (laughs) Well, it's either that... Or it was my singing that did the trick And I'm going to have to keep singing every week until they lose
0: Miami has the Dolphins The greatest football team We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen We're in the air, we're on the ground We're always in control And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl cause we're the Miami, Miami Dolphins, Dolphins Miami Dolphins, Dolphins. Miami oh Dolphins God. number one can't believe you just made me do that.
1: And I joined in too. I joined in too. <laughs> Radio gold, my friend. <laughs> run over here. Okay,
0: so week seven is now in the books. Uh, game of the week that we kind of picked out this week was uh, the Jets at the Patriots. But two quite strong teams at the top of the AFC East, um, doing very well both of them. Um, and Patriots ended up winning thirty points to twenty-three uh, against the Jets. A uh, very strong start from both defenses. I thought they uh, were they were were both very good uh, very good teams and uh the Jets certainly didn't rely on the running game as much as I'd, uh, I thought they might do uh, they, they had been in, in previous games Chris Ivory has been absolutely all over it against, certainly against the Dolphins and that was probably to be fair because we couldn't defend him but uh, he was uh, he was absolutely all over us but uh, not so much this game
1: the strength of the Patriots defence is very much their front seven I'm still thinking that although they've done really well and they're really well coached that against a really balanced offence it sounds or feels big headed to suggest the Bengals but there are other teams out there I still think it's possible you can get at their defence and you have to to be able to keep up with Tom Brady but the Jets got themselves well into this game in fact they were in the league going into the fourth quarter yeah And it was really interesting That Belichick and the Patriots Took one look at that Jets defence And they didn't even try to run
0: No they didn't I think it was a total of Nine runs I think it was Something like that Nine runs And the
1: best was... part of that four of those carries Are from Tom Brady Who led the team with 15 yards
0: Yeah That's ridiculous
1: when you When you look at it Yeah I mean he was 34 for 54 Att- um, attempts and he had 10 drops in this game Brandon LaFell did nothing but get hit in the hands and put the ball down for the first like six targets and then he sort of worked the rust off and started to get into the game but um in fact uh the most surprising thing for me at one point was that Brady is so good when blitzed for the Jets brought two blitzers from one side of the defense and nobody picked up Gronk and that was like, oh, of all the quarterbacks to do that to, because of course Brady just saw Gronk was open, saw where the blitz was coming, he was good enough to go, okay, fine, and just hit him straight away, and, and it went for a touchdown. Yeah and I think if you can rush four and leave the other seven in coverage and get pressure, that's the way to to, to do it. Because if you don't come with a really incredibly well-hidden blitz, he is just going to look at your defense, know what you're going to do, and pick you off. It was that old thing about you never blitz Peyton Manning. That's not so much of an issue these days just because of his arm. <laughs> but, you know, Tom Brady is one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen, and you have to be careful how you defend him. But that said... On the other,
0: on the other side, though, when you look at Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I was really impressed with him at this game. I thought he looked really really calm under pressure, not afraid to scramble when he needed to. Um, and I thought he had a really, really good game. I thought he looked, he looked much better as a quarterback than I think he has for uh, much of this season so far.
1: He has games like this. And he is a quarterback that will take you far enough to compete he's not elite level but he's at that level below where he's certainly good enough to get you in the playoffs particularly if you couple him with a defense like they've got in the moment and the dip he had earlier in the season I think it's a big thing that he's got both Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker back although Brandon Marshall wasn't helping him with you know the penalty at the end of the game and that drop yeah yeah he could have Really done with that that ball being caught and not being offside.
0: Well, at least they've not got Gino Smith playing anymore. He was uh, well. Put it this way: the the fellow who I went to uh, to Wembley with uh, the other week, we have quite a bit of a uh, an ongoing joke about Gino Smith being uh, well terrible.
1: So uh, I think they've uh, I think they've uh, they've certainly got uh, got of this season. I'm not yeah. sure that's a joke, and the fact that he had his own jaw broken by a teammate, you know, does speak to some problems with his leadership. That's hilarious. Not that that's any excuse for the guy smacking him and punching him in the draw, but yeah,
0: <laughs> it certainly isn't. But it's just uh, yeah, yeah, one of those things. Yeah, we both picked the Jets this week, and uh, we were both we were both right. We didn't think the Jets would win, but with given the uh, the spread that on that game, we were quite uh, quite convinced it was going to be Jets. So uh, yeah, ding. Well done to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, second game we uh, watched this week uh, again. This is a a big one. I would uh, be one for me. Uh, Houston Texans against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, oh, what a what a first half of football. Oh, it's very rare that I see first halves of football that that uh, that good. And again, I, I know I know I'm I'm heading towards having to sing again. But we were very very good first half. Not so good second half, I must say. But obviously by that point the the damage I suppose was also kind of done. Uh, so the by Dolphins won 44 points to 26, and 21 up by the first, end of the first quarter. 41 by the end of the uh, end of the second.
1: A remarkable performance. Uh, A lot is being made of Tanner Hill, and he did very well to get all those completions, but an awful lot of those yards were after the catch, and that's not to take away from the team, but let's not just try and keep ourselves a little bit grounded. But it's really encouraging that Dan Campbell has had this effect on them. They must have really hated Joe Philbin. And that scheme... They must have done. Suddenly, okay, Sue is not maybe... Dominating how you would expect, but that line at least has come alive.
0: A couple of sacks though on uh, on Sunday. Did he? Yeah,
1: yeah, he did.
0: He was uh, he got a couple of sacks in a row actually, in, t- in two sacks in
1: two plays. I take it all back. I'm demonstrating <laughs> that this is not one of the games I got to watch. So
0: <laughs> no, it was it was for me. I mean, was a new new NFL record as well. Tannehill is like a he's like a he's like a different fella. I know we didn't use the the. Uh, passing game that much, but uh, 25 uh, consecutive completions over across this game and and uh, last week's game as well at Titans. 25, uh, which is a new NFL record for most consecutive completions.
1: In fairness, the Texans were awful. I mean, the tackling. Yeah. I mean, Jarvis Landry. I can understand why you're falling in love with him, but you know, all he did was stop and then watch as they sailed past and some dodgy arm tackling, and it's just and if to add insult to injury or rather injury to insult in this case then they go and lose Arian Foster who's such an important part of what limited offence they have, gone for the season with an Achilles tear, I mean that poor guy who's trying to come in the best shape of his life, he's a groin problem now the Achilles, this is not the first year that he's had injury problems I think they're going to be picking high, I suspect they might be going after a quarterback and I'm sorry, they've let down Sir JJ of what and the people of Houston?
0: Sir JJ of who? (laughs)
1: I mean in all seriousness this is the second time this year that they've had like a huge 40 point blowout loss Mm. it's things are really not going well for them this season and you've got to wonder if things don't pick up and they don't at least become respectable if O'Brien will be safe there because it's getting embarrassing now it is Paul Hopkins on offense I mean he's been amazing mm. at wide receiver and every now and again when he's had a quarterback to find him he's just dominated the game so much but they've got two players at key positions receiver and, and sort of pass rusher even if it is from right defensive end rather than the outside linebacker that you would put up against anybody's stars across the league but it's just going wrong everywhere else. Yeah,
0: well, again, we both picked uh, right on this one. Um, I, we both picked the Dolphins, and we uh, we won again. So another another tick for us. Indeed. Uh, the third game was the uh, the international series game at Wembley. Jacksonville Jaguars beating the Buffalo Bills by thirty four points to thirty one. Um, you've watched this one. I, I only kind of caught the first quarter. Uh, but I think you you
1: uh, you've watched this one, haven't you? You missed. You picked the wrong quarter. The quarter to watch yeah. was the second quarter, or at least if you're a Jaguars fan. First of all, how great is it that the Jaguars finally got their first win in London and got that monkey off their back? You know,
0: I think the whole of the league is is everyone over here is probably happy for them to, uh, except perhaps the uh, the Bills fans. Uh, is happy for them to have got that uh, that first win over here.
1: Yeah, and. First quarter, tight, and then second quarter explosion. EJ Manuel gets hit on a blitz. He saw it coming. It's not for the he went to throw the ball away, which is fine, but you have to get the ball away. And he was facing the blitz, he knew it was coming, gets sacked, gets fumbled, that gets returned for a touchdown. Kickoff. The very next snap that EJ Manuel takes, he throws a pick six. The next drive, four plays later, he throws a second interception. <laughs> And then TJ Yeldon runs 28 yards in for a touchdown. And suddenly we've had like a 20 point swing, which should have been 21, but they missed the extra point in the space of about four minutes. Um, mm. But then the bills wind them back. Manuel starts moving the ball, has some success. I mean, if you, if you wipe out the two interceptions, 24 for 42, 288, 98 yards, not that bad, but that's the key point. You want more touchdowns than interceptions. And they basically had that explosion. But the Bills eat themselves back in and actually retake the lead. And finally, finally, the Jaguars managed to put together that drive at the end of the game to win the game and hold out on defense, which is the bit that eludes them. And this could be the starts of them finally making the turnaround that people have been suggesting is round the corner and could be possible it's early to say that they're going into a bye we'll have to see if they can carry the momentum through but good positive win special praise also should go to Telvin Smith their um, linebacker number 50 who was all over the field led the team in tackles should have had a second interception having intercepted the first one and just was really really impressive.
0: What did you think of the crowd? When I was, when I was watching it in the first in the first quarter it, was, it just seemed really really dull or like people weren't particularly really into it. It's
1: interesting you said that. The noise when the Jaguars started scoring points and went on that run and then when the Bills came back, you know, it might have been a little start slow starting in the first quarter, but no, people were into it. I think everybody was made up for the Jaguars for 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 the win. The touchdown, um, and I'm forgetting which receiver off the top of my head, but he had to come down with the ball and get his shoulder down into in in, in the end zone to actually ground it out and get to the touchdown. Big cheer because everybody recognised it was a great football play. And also, I don't know which feed you watch because I did it through Game Pass. I got the Yahoo feed, but oh, not right, through okay. directly through the site. And yeah. there was some interesting audio bits where I was getting Spanish commentary as well as alongside the English commentary, but underneath. And I, I, I quite enjoyed it. It's a bit like, you know, the whole goal thing with Brazilian and football. You had sort of yes. had like, pass! As the ball was in the air. It was like <laughs> Latin American, much more excited commentary, which, which when you had quite an understated American doing, doing the international one beforehand, was quite interesting to hear. Yeah.
0: Well, again, we, uh, we, we were both, we were both wrong on that one. Um, both pick Bills. Uh, both, uh, both unfortunately got that one wrong. Um. Last game, we'll just touch on uh, fairly fairly quickly. Uh, Giants against Cowboys, uh, twenty-seven points to twenty, victory for the Giants. Giants got a lot less yardage than the uh, than, than the Cowboys. Um, it was it was really the Cowboys. Uh, I, I pardon the pun. They threw it away. The uh, too many too many turnovers, too many interceptions.
1: Yeah. Also, the Giants did that thing that. Um that sort of gritty we we got a touchdown on offense we got a defensive pick six touchdown and we got special teams touchdown and that caused really the big talking point that's come out of this game for a lot of people which was the Greg Hardy meltdown mm. now i don't know what you've seen and what you've heard cuz on the sort of initial broadcast if you see all we got was um Des Bryant getting into it with Greg Hardy on the sideline yeah. And it was only when yeah, people started seeing the all twenty-two, they realised that after the Cowboys given up that that one hundred yard kickoff uh, t- touchdown mm-hmm. returned, um, which actually gave them the lead, Hardys. Not just, you know, trying to G up his things and going, It's okay guys, we've got this, you know, let's just go get one for us. Barges into the um special teams um huddle, knocks the clipboard out of the special teams coach's hands and gets into a shoving match with him. And that bit with Des Bryant was, believe it or not, Des Bryant of all people Acting as peacemaker. I mean, <laughs> we know the man is a liability. I've sort of covered my opinions on him. You know, yes, he's a misogynistic bellend, but also he's a liability.
0: I'm going to stop you before you uh, you you keep you you, you go on because I know you've I know you're. Uh, <laughs> Thoughts on uh, on Greg Hardy. I think anyone who's listened to the previous podcast know your thoughts on uh, on Greg Hardy. Well, quite quite well deserved thoughts, I must say. But uh, I know how I know how you can go on about them.
1: Well, I was just <laughs> all I wanted to warm to was the fact that there is a lot of dysfunction there, as well yeah. as some good stuff. And they've had bad injuries, but I don't see things going very well for the rest of the season.
0: No, Darren McFadden made a very. He was, he, he, very quietly went about getting 152 rushing yards, having one of the best games of his career.
1: He doesn't necessarily have that kind of agility where he can evade tackles, no. but he really hits the hole hard, and if you open up a gap for him, and you know that line will wear a team down and start to open the gaps up, particularly in the second half, he will get the yards that are there if he's fit, and that's the other problem that's always played him through his career is keeping him healthy
0: well we're both right on this one both went for the uh, Giants so uh, both got a point uh, on that one so let's look at the uh, rest of the league then Thursday night's game saw Russell Wilson's Seattle Seahawks beat the 49ers by 20 points to three as Colin Kaepernick's season continued to go from bad to worse in San Francisco there was just one point in in Washington as the Redskins beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-30 to keep the pressure on the Giants in the NFC East it was business as usual for the Falcons uh, and the Titans in Tennessee, where Atlanta won by 10 points to 7, uh, moving their record to 6-1 and one for the season. Sean Payton's New Orleans Saints built on their win last week uh, to win again, this time for uh, the Indianapolis Colts, winning 27 points to 21. Uh, the Lions were back to losing ways on Sunday in Detroit, uh, as the Minnesota Vikings won by 28 points to 19, uh, leaving the Lions rooted to the bottom of the NFC North. It was a shock in Kansas City uh, as the Chiefs managed to get a result against the Steelers uh, in a back-and-forth matchup, eventually winning by twenty-three points to thirteen. Uh, and the Rams made it to point five hundred with a win in St. Louis over the uh, the Cleveland Browns, uh, but were helped by a shoulder injury to, to the Browns' QB uh, Josh McCown. Uh, the Rams managed to win convincingly by twenty-four points to six. The Chargers were once again on the wrong end of a close game against the Raiders. Oakland got themselves an impressive 31-point lead, but were pegged back in the fourth quarter. The Raiders ended up winning by 37 points to 29. It was six in a row for the Panthers in Carolina. They led all the way through the game against the Philadelphia Eagles and eventually ended up 27 points to 16 victors. They to into week 8 as one of five undefe- undefeated teams and sit atop the NFC South. And on Monday night, the Cardinals were back to winning ways in Arizona with a 26 point to 18 win over the Baltimore Ravens. It's a ball, it's it's a so before we have a look ahead at week eight, let's turn our attention to the blog and see what G's been uh, writing about this week. Uh, when you put the, up uh, the picks uh, on the blog of this week, you had a look at the uh, least current crop of uh, quarterbacks, didn't you? Give us a bit of a bit of an overview.
1: I was What I was actually looking at was the development of quarterbacks and where we are focusing on the unbeaten quarterbacks, but really specifically going in at Andy Dalton, not in as a big puff piece about what a wonderful job he's done this season, but more trying to take a nuanced look at quarterback development, what has led to his success this season, but also what's happening around the league with both teams that are unbeaten. But also I touched on the 49ers um, situation with Kaepernick just because he was picked the pick after, Um, Andy Dalton and for quite a while the Bengals there was this criticism that oh Andy Dalton can't win in the playoffs and you could have had had um, Colin Kaepernick and right now if you look at the career trajectory of um, the two QBs and their development I think it's a lot harder to make the argument that the Bengals got the wrong decision but also I was trying to once again going back to my nerdery about how a franchise is run but just tie in with that.
0: Fair enough, that's good. Uh, and and you watched you watched some of the tape as well following their charges at Packers game from last week. Um, I thought I thought it was one of the best games I've seen this season. Uh, what did you What did you think about it?
1: I really really enjoyed it. It comes as no surprise to anyone. It featured two really good quarterbacks. That's hardly stunning insight, but um, it was interesting to me. I don't know what's happening to me, I'm slightly worried because, again, I was sort of keyed in with the offense, is just in that it was really interesting to me, the differences in the way the personnel groupings were working for the Chargers, they were basically in shotgun, and pretty much in 12 personnel for the entirety of the first half, but they were just moving about how they were lining up, so they had very 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 static in terms of they had, the two receivers, the two tight ends and the running back, and the running back might swap in and out, but it was very familiar personnel groupings, but they were just lining up them up in tons of different ways. Start yeah. of the second half, they moved more to 11 personnel, so having three receivers on the um, field, and that lasted until Keenan Allen got injured, and then they reverted back to the 12. And they were very static. Obviously, they didn't move the ball well, and that's basically because their line isn't very good, and so they just didn't run the ball that effectively. But they didn't try that hard. Philip Rivers had 65 attempts in this game, and He's really, really good. Mm. They move the ball well. He gets the ball out so quickly. And he, they are, by putting him in shotgun, they are enabling themselves to counter the fact that the line isn't very good. And the Packers, although mm. they hit him a lot, weren't able to get there frequently enough to stop him moving the ball. Luckily, the Chargers weren't that efficient in the red zone, and the Packers were able to keep themselves in the game, and the Packers used way more multiple sets. It was very interesting that Richard Rogers who... He's listed as tight end, but basically plays as a H-back. So he was lining up at both tight end, both close to the line and split out, as well as fullback. He was all over the formation. He may not look that impressive in terms of numbers, but he was very definitely playing a big role. But they were moving a lot more players in and out and a lot more formations. And it was just a really, really good game to watch.
0: So what's, uh, what have you got planned this week? What are you looking at uh, on the blog this week?
1: I am currently putting together, as I said, a slight nerdy piece about what's going on with some of the less functional franchises. You'll see the Cowboys and the Texans featuring, but also mm-hmm. looking at the Colts and the situation. Just this thing that seems to be going on with coaching changes, given that, the other piece of news we perhaps should have covered was that the Detroit Lions have fired three coaches this week going into London um, before the bye. Perhaps this is Jim Caldwell trying to get ahead of him losing the game and trying not to get fired in the bye week, as has happened with Dolphins this year, but also obviously happened with the Raiders last year in the London game. And then the um, I'm also planning to look at the Panthers-Eagles coaching tape for the weekend just because i really really want to take a look at what caroline are doing on offense because on paper you have cam newton greg olsen and not a lot else and yet they're undefeated and they're beating enough teams now that we know their defense is good and i want to take a look at that but i just want to see how they're doing that schematically
0: okay well uh, for that and much more make sure you uh, check out the blog this week at www.therongfootball.com are you ready for some football okay so let's have a look ahead to uh, week eight. Uh, so this week uh, the first game the Thursday night game is the Dolphins at the Patriots Now in time on a tradition I'm obviously going to go for the uh, the Dolphins uh, as I always do uh, they get a seven and a half point lead uh, on this game against the Patriots. Do you think that's enough to uh, make them uh, make you want to choose them?
1: I actually think I might be joining you on Dolphins Island for a second week um, just wow. because the Patriots are that banged up you know they've got problems in the offensive line and i'm not sure you guys will win and i'm I'm sort of interested to see what happens when dan campbell gets into a real coaching matchup because we don't know what he's like as an x's and o's coach because he doesn't have a lot of Mm. experience and so far the turnaround seems to be let's take these players fire them up and actually getting them playing hard and properly but I think you're going to need more than that to beat Belichick, but he's so beat up at the moment that I think seven and a half. I'm leaning that way.
0: Fair enough. Coming in, the water's warm on uh, on, on Dolphin Island. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the game you're going to is the uh, the next game at uh, Wembley this week. So the Chiefs hosting the Lions. Get a five and a half point lead for um for the for the Lions this week, and I personally, given that spread and looking at the Chiefs. I think I might actually go for the Lions.
1: I am so torn in this game, and this is going to be something of a theme through these weeks, lines because they are not a polite word we like to say in in nice society. Um, No. In this game, I, I think I'm probably going to reluctantly take the Chiefs because they beat the Steelers. Uh, this week um, is possibly one we should have guessed because the Steelers have been there or thereabouts but been lucky in quite a lot of wins and the Chiefs have been there or thereabouts and you know were due a win and at home with that famous Arrowhead crowd Yeah, you're thinking coming to London they might do something but obviously then this is them losing a home game but I just I just, as much as anything I'm just not that inspired by the Lions so far Um I, anybody who wishes to bribe me into supporting them on the day, feel free to you know offer me a hot dog, and I will cheer for your team <laughs> probably. But um, yeah, I'm leaning Chiefs, but I'm not convinced either way.
0: Uh, I am in the next game going to go with the Falcons. Falcons against Buccaneers. There's again quite a big spread on this, six and a half points lead uh, for for the, for the Bucks. But I still think the uh, Falcons have got enough uh, to, about them to, uh, to 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 have this one.
1: The thing that really worries me about the Buccaneers is their defence, which is really concerning just because that's Lovey Smith's side of the ball. And they have had one or two games where they've been opportunistic and got turnovers, but they've not been good. And Mm. this Falcons team, there are flaws and they're not... I think they're a level below the unbeaten teams because their offensive line is not good, which is a worry when you've got Gerald McCoy coming into town. But they've got enough. They play hard. I trust them to get the win. I'm just... Worried about the points, but I just have no faith in the Bucks, so I sort of hope for the Falklands will cover for me, because I can only really see myself going that way so far.
0: Next game is the uh, Browns at Cardinals. Uh, I think I, I, it's gonna, I'm going to go, certainly going to go with the uh, with the Cardinals on this. I think the Browns are not looking great.
1: Yeah, I don't know the status of Josh McCown for this game. Obviously, he hurt shoulder in the last one, mm. but... I was sort of expecting them to um, struggle and they did in St. Louis just because that defence is really, really good. They are bad against the run and the Rams have Todd Gurley and Todd Gurley is amazing and looks to be the next running back superstar. He is doing everything that Adrian Peterson isn't quite this season. He just has that burst. He looks amazing and yeah, I don't think the Browns even at home have enough and I'm sorry, Cleveland.
0: I'm sure they're they're fine with it, don't worry. (laughs) Um, the next game was really really tough one for, for picking for me uh, Rams at 49ers uh, given that the 49ers get an eight and a half point uh, head start a lead on this one I, I think given that I, I'm really not sure I really can't pick which way I'm going to go with this one
1: I'm leaning towards Rams just because of their history of competence they are at home hmm. they have defense which is really good I'm slightly worried because the 49ers defense is pretty solid And they looked okay against the run last week. But their offense is wretched. And they could do nothing to protect Kaepernick against the Seahawks. And given how scary that Rams defensive line is, you don't expect them to play that badly again. I'm sure that Tom Sula will be making a huge point of emphasis this week. I just don't see how they're going to move the ball in this game. The Rams may not be the Seahawks, but they're pretty good on defence these days and I'd rather be backing that and be worried about the points, I think, than putting my in in 49ers team who have not shown me much this season.
0: Saints at Giants. Uh, the lead on this one is uh, 3.5 points for the Giants. Uh, And I think, given that, I'm going to go for the Giants.
1: I'm really not sure about this one. No? Quietly, I might have to eat my words about the Saints' defence, although I'm not prepared to to concede that they're turning round yet. But they have got a lot of young players, and they do seem to be doing enough just over the last couple of weeks. We're getting to see Drew Brees be a bit more like Drew Brees. The Giants are a solid team, but they seem to have been a bit lucky with their wins recently. You know, yeah. it was a scrappy game against the Cowboys. It certainly was. And I am just wondering. I am really not sure. I'm, I, I, I will look at the numbers and worry about this one because I am finding it a hard one to pick.
0: Okay, well, the uh, the next one is the uh, Vikings at Bears. This is one that I always look out for because I went to this in two thousand eight uh, in Chicago. But uh, one and a half point head start for the Bears. I still think the Vikings are going to do this.
1: I do too and that's that I mean given that minus three is your 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 standard home advantage that's a four and a half point swing we know the Bears are bad I don't know who am I kidding there's no way that I can even with a four and a half (laughs) swing just go yeah uh the Vikings I'm still waiting to be totally convinced by the offense but Steven Diggs is really really good and the defense Mm. is playing very well uh, it may not be outstanding, but under Zimmer it does enough, and yeah, I can't go against the Vikings in this.
0: Okay, Charges at Ravens. I think this is going to be the one there. I think Charges are going to turn it round. They've been a little bit unlucky the last couple of weeks. I think, I think they've got uh, they've got enough to do the uh, the Ravens. Yeah. What, what do you think?
1: I think the Ravens don't have the passing game at the moment to take care of, to take advantage of the Charges' offensive limitations they they could run the ball on them because I think most teams can run the ball on them and if they could just get Justin Forsett going with that offensive line which is the same as the one that ran so well last year they should stand a chance the problem is their secondary has been horrendous they've been giving up tons and tons of passing yards their pass rush hasn't been that great and they're going up against uh, Philip Rivers and I think no bat no secondary, and not enough pass rush is going to really bite them in this one. I'm leaning Chargers to
0: Bengals at Steelers. Uh, this is a pure. Who do you think is going to win this one? Because it's only a yeah, a 0.5. Point swing on it um, I, I, it's going to be the Bengals I think I don't want to jinx you and I don't want to make you uh, sing any uh, any fight songs or anything but uh, it's going to be the Bengals what
1: do you think my opening words are going to be uh, who day by any chance no I'm worried about this game <laughs> you know me it's weird I, um, I was really hoping that we'd have some not necessarily outlandish but there's just enough points to make me swing one way or another because I really yeah. don't know with this team uh, the Steelers have been there or thereabouts You'd look at the records and you go, well, surely the Bengals have got this, and I will back the Bengals, borrowing from your optimism, but also because I do think genuinely we're the more rounded, better team. I'm just worried because it's a tough, it's always a tough game. It's at Heinz Field, AFC North. It's probably going to be decided by a field goal, and that could probably go either way, particularly in that place. That said, maybe we'll beat them 42 nothing. Who knows?
0: It <laughs> could do, could do. Uh, Titans at Texans this is going to be a terrible game I think
1: this could be two of the worst coaches going up against each other I'm not sure that's necessarily fair on O'Brien but his team are not playing well this year um, he's meant to be something of a quarterback whisperer maybe he needs you know, a quarterback <laughs> to do that with then again the Titans I can't pick the Texans not the way they're playing they've been blown out by 40 points twice and the only thing I can hang my hat on is that Dick Lebeau is a fabulous coach I love him as a man he's like 70 something and still coaching in the NFL even though he's that long history with the Steelers he was also with the Bengals for years Um, we let him down so badly with the team we put around him it was just young players who weren't ready to play for a coach he was trying to treat the players like men but he's an awesome coach a man I have huge respect for and I'm sort of punting on him and the Titans because I do not trust the Texans that said, I love JJ Watt, and I'd be perfectly happy if, if things went better for him.
0: I'm going for the Texans. Having seen the second half come back from them, I think they, I think it's gonna it's gonna take some uh, some kind of mind games a little bit with them, but I think they I think they're going to do it.
1: You might have actually just swung me back the other way because, of course, uh, Mariota's still out. I think with his sprained knee, so yeah. we've got Mettenberger. So I might just reverse reverse course and and, and hope that JJ Watt gets a win this week. Um,
0: Jets at the Raiders um, I think this one's going to be Jets myself as good as the uh, the Raiders have been
1: yeah I think I think their offence will struggle against this defence I think they've got the corners well they they need basically Revis to shut down Gamari Cooper and I think he's one of the few cornerbacks that might be able to do it defence showed more than I was expecting but the Jets yeah I think I'm leaning that way too but it mm. wouldn't surprise me if the Raiders did get a win
0: no it wouldn't it wouldn't it's a, it's a close one but i, I think jets will will do this one Uh, hi Uh, producer dan here just a quick post podcast note Uh, g wants me to point out that he meant jason Witten when he mentions kevin winslow in the next section Uh, he apologizes for any confusion carry on pass interference offense 10 yard penalty Uh, seahawks at cowboys seattle at dallas six and a half points Uh, head start for the cowboys on this one i can't make my mind up on this See, I've, I've changed my mind about three times
1: I have information for you it Go might on. not necessarily swing you but here's the thing is Seattle are 31st in defensive past the VOA statistics so that's a comparative statistic where they compare teams against league average outcomes Yeah, they are 31st against tight ends in the passing game they have been really bad this season if you remember we've talked about Tyler Eifert just strolling through the defence into, t- into the end zone Mm -hmm. we had Greg Olsen win that winning touchdown again tight end waltzing through the end zone there was a brief period where suddenly having done nothing all season Vernon Davis um, caught four balls and I'm like oh look the 49ers just for a second I thought might have cottoned on to the fact that they're struggling against tight ends this season and found a formula they weren't able to keep it going I don't trust either of their quarterbacks at the moment but Kevin Winslow is a really really good tight end It's just possible they might move the ball enough to um, do something against the Seahawks. Their offensive line is rotten, and whatever he's doing off the field and on the sidelines, when he's actually there, Hardy is rushing the passer effectively. Six and a half points. Ah, That said, they were running the ball much better against 49ers. So, Mm. yeah. I'm going to need to go more into numbers I don't know if that information yeah. about tight ends helps you or not not really
0: I think I'm I'm, I'm still uh, could go either way we'll see what uh, we'll see what I end up doing I'm not sure I'm not sure uh, late game on Sunday is probably I think will be the, the game of the week or it certainly should be looking at the uh Uh, the the records of these two teams, the Packers at the Broncos, two of the unbeaten teams
1: I think there's only going to be one unbeaten team left, well there has to be but for me there's only one to choose, even over there in Denver. It's got to be Packers Yeah, you you just have to think Um, this is the game where finally the Manning problems comes back to bite them. I mean, we could be wrong because the Packers' offence isn't quite all there, just because of the bang, how banged up they, they are at receivers, not quite as explosive as they usually are. But you take Aaron Rodgers and the way he's playing at the moment over the Peyton Manning we've got this season. Yeah, uh,
0: and then Monday night's game, the uh, Colts at the Panthers, uh, six and a half points um, is the the lead of the Colts on this. I still think the Panthers will do it myself.
1: <sighs> yeah, it, it is. It, it shows why I want to look at the coaching tape at the Panthers. I I don't think you're. Out there at all with that suggestion, and I suspect that will be the case too. The defense is very good, the Colts are turning over the ball too much, and they can't cope with running teams. And what do the Panthers do better almost than anybody? Take advantage of their enormous quarterback who can run the ball. I'm still worried about mm-hmm. how many hits he's taking, but. I think they're going to struggle stopping the um, Panthers offense. And yeah, I think that's um, going to be a win for the Panthers. And I was a lot more decisive about these games than I thought I was going to be going in. Uh, yeah, you were.
0: You, I know the, uh, I believe the term that you uh, you used when you emailed me these lines yesterday was they were a, a shitstorm of lines. So I thought you would be a little bit more on the fence. but
1: I, I was expecting to, even coming in as we started recording. But yes, <laughs> I, I, I clearly feel better and more. Um, concise and sure about a lot of these games, and I thought I did.
0: Well, into, going into, uh, into week eight, you, are, you have predicted 54 and I have predicted 52. So, yeah, not, uh, not, not too far between us. Oh, I felt that one way up here. Well, that's it for the episode three of the Wrong Football Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening uh, to us this week. We'll be back again next week with episode four, looking back at all of week eight's games. And ahead to week nine, uh, including the possibility of still having four unbeaten teams going into the second half of the regular season. Uh, in the meantime, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at WrongFootball. Uh, check out the blog, www.therongfootball.com. And you, there's also a Facebook you've created as well. So, uh, yeah, follow us on the Facebook as well. Come and have a chat.
1: Indeed. All questions, opinions, suggestions, amusing insults, always welcome. Uh, the other thing I will add is I am going down to Wembley this week to watch um, Lions at Chiefs. If you see um, a man of six foot three stature wandering around in a. Um, bengal's aj green jersey feel free to shout oi gee and you know come over (laughs) say hello we can have a drink Eat a hot dog, whatever. It'd be nice to meet people.
0: That's it. Keep listening. Um, keep telling us. Um, obviously, if you uh, like the podcast, uh, let us know. Tell your friends uh, as well if you liked it. Um, it's early days. The only way it's going to uh, keep getting better and, and, and building more listeners is by uh, by word of mouth and by telling people what you think of us. So uh, rate us on podcast.com, uh, on iTunes, and that kind of thing. Um, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next
1: week. Bye. <laughs>